I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. Ooh, and this is Fish Jelly. <laughs> how are you? Good, how are you? It's a uh, uh, reference to Janet Jackson's Black Cat. Oh, that's what that was? Okay. <laughs> homage, homage. Uh, so it's our 95th episode. Mm-hmm. Some people might notice we have new, we have like a new thumbnail for the podcast. Uh-huh. Trying to elevate the game. Yeah. Now, now that we're borderline. While staying true to the game. <laughs> While staying true to the game. Uh, shout out to Quadir. Quadir. Um, and Gaget. Bo- now that we're borderline famous. Um, I need to mention that in a couple of videos we posted last week, there was a dog in the room. Yes. Farting. So, <laughs> so people noticed because we talked about it. And then I posted a picture of you with the dog on the floor. So a couple of things. That is not our dog. We were dog sitting. The dog in question is Deef. Mm-hmm. So um, we Nick was on the floor because, A, we didn't want the dog on our furniture. But also the dog seemed to want it to be close because mm-hmm. it would get startled suddenly if it didn't see mm-hmm. us. So you had laid on the floor and then fell asleep. Mm-hmm. So that's why you were on the floor with the dog. But that is not our dog. We only have one pet. I was a, not being punished. Yeah. Um, a hairless cat named Aggie. I don't even want her, so I damn sure don't want a dog. But I do have to say, who doesn't love dogs, right? Like, dogs are awesome mm-hmm. and uh, for all the reasons we all know. And every now and then I'll think, oh, wouldn't it be cute to have a dog? And no. Our home's not compatible for a dog because we have four floors and uh-huh. all these stairs. Sure. And that little Frenchie was like. <laughs> oh, she would go. She would zoom up. She them. would zoom, but it was like, oh, my gosh, she's going to fall down and slip down and break her neck. Um, also, just like th- we had a dog for a little while. Janet. And then, and then we gave her back to where the hell we got her from because she was well a, a problem. She had behavioral issues and. I- we tried, but uh, I paid to have her trained and obedience training, and it, it just, yeah. I but, think you, yeah. Uh, well, I think she tried to bite several uh, notable people in the house. She so. tried to bite notable people, so I had to let her go. And homeowners insurance wouldn't cover a pit. Yep, that was but, uh, <laughs> where we were really dumb. But yeah, so, but you know, every now and then we'll think, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have a dog? Mm-hmm. But having a dog in the house for. 14 hours was stressful Mm -hmm. and I didn't like it and I do not want a dog. I don't want to watch anyone's dog again. Well, it didn't help that she's technically not properly house trained, so we couldn't leave her alone. She pissed on my uh, dining room rug, so now I have to order a new rug. Oh, boy. Uh, But I, I would be happy to, like, I don't want to say I want to house sit, but I would definitely, like, in a pinch, go to someone's house and walk their dog and feed them and check on them. But I don't want a dog in my house at this uh, juncture. Uh-huh. Did, I was reading that Pam Greer said that she was offered the role of the Bond girl in the 1983 film Octopussy. Mm-hmm. Who played the Bond girl in that? Was it, Not Honor Blackman. Oh, I, you know, I don't know. Oh. You can look it up. But... Yeah, Pam Greer was saying that her agent sent her to go meet the Broccoli family, who I guess are the producers. Barbara of that. Broccoli, yes. And uh, oh, Maude Adams. Yes. And Pam Greer, is that a black lady? No, she's oh. white. Uh, and Pam Greer told them, like, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm not available. And 
so they all had a stank feeling about it but she's said that the, I'm, I'm reading the quote she said i just felt to be a bond girl would be what am i going to do am i going to help rescue him is he rescuing me a bond girl is an afterthought a cliff's note perhaps mm-hmm. so um i don't know i think it kind of would have been cool to have that as part of her her legacy sure her, her resume but i don't think pam greer suffered for not being a bond girl i mean she's iconic no it, it's a weird thing i think when you come when that's one of your first things to be a bond girl i, I think that's something to overcome as opposed to being a, a very well established person that's starring in a bond film because you know you got monica bellucci grace jones uh you know halle berry technically as a bond girl and to it's inconsequential at that point in she does period. go on to say that she gave them other ideas um on how that character could be written that maybe would interest her but of course they were not interested in taking her uh, of course not suggestions but you know good for her for not doing something she didn't feel good about yeah so there's that then uh i was reading that there's the comedian um he has like a popular youtube show um andrew shoals He's in the film. He plays one of Jonah's character's friends. Not the one you were talking about, an, an, another guy. Oh, I was talking about Jordan Firstman. Yeah, no, it's the other guy. But he, any, anyway, he was talking about the movie, and he let it slip kind of that the final kiss in You People, the movie with Jonah Hill, Lauren London, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, David Duchovny, Eddie Murphy, Nia Long, that that final kiss between Jonah Hill and Lauren London, that was CGI what that they didn't really kiss that that final scene that the two of them get close and then it stops but in the film you can see that they actually do lock lips so that was cgi okay which plays into the whole these two don't have any chemistry and then lauren london um did an interview with harper's bazaar and even she said i thought why would these two people really like each other we have to showcase a real connection. They're from two totally different worlds. And if you see them, you would never think that they would meet or hang out, whatever the case is. So she had said that she sort of had those same feelings about the two characters. But then she goes on to say that once they got to know each other, she really did like him. But I think that's the problem with that pairing in the movie is that I'm not saying no one can love Jonah Hill or that a beautiful woman wouldn't like him. I just don't believe that the way it happened would happen so fast because he looks like a monster in the movie and the way she acts is like the other thing (laughs) is when you are head over heels in love with somebody, you know, when you when you get when you're first in love and whether or not somebody's from a different walk of life, like you want to know everything, you want to be invested in everything. You want to be invested. These two people felt like strangers Mm -hmm. who were just being polite to one another. But anyway, um, moving on. I didn't know this, but the Late Late Show with James Corden, that's being canceled. And replaced with a game show or something? No, it's uh, that show, uh, the series Midnight, which had previously aired. um, And I remember that because it was with Chris Hardwick, who Mm -hmm. I do like. Um, but you know, I don't have, I don't care for James Corden. Uh, so I mean, and maybe part of the decision was kind of the backlash he's gotten about being an asshole, but that's right. I don't really care about him, but it made me think 
I really liked the two previous hosts. So do you remember uh, Craig Ferguson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like him. And he has some comedy specials on Netflix, I believe, or Amazon Prime, one of the two. I think he's really cute and funny. Mm-hmm. And he talks very candidly about his like sobriety. And and then Craig Kilborn. Do you remember him? I do. I really liked him, too. And I thought he was so handsome back in the day. <laughs> but yeah, like James Corden, he doesn't give me anything. Uh, well... Except for what's that? I won't say it. It's fine. Um, what's that little cartoon? That Looney Tunes cartoon? Oh, that he uh, reminds me of Elmer what? Fudd, the pig. Oh, the pig! Oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. Um, I'll move on to films released we didn't cover. The Blue Caftan. Mm-hmm. I know I talked about this before because I think it was Morocco's official submission for best international feature. I think it might have been shortlisted as well. Uh, Miriam Tuzani uh, premiered a can in, in certain regard. Uh, Sela Bakri is this gay man married to this woman played by Lubna Azabal, who's also very notable. I like her a lot. Uh, very interesting film. I did like it. I we didn't. You haven't seen it, and we didn't have time to re- watch it this week. Somebody I used to know. Uh, Dave Franco's latest film, starring his wife Allison Brie and uh, Jay Ellis from insecure mm. uh, came out on amazon prime and we didn't make time for it although zoe chow who's also in the new reese witherspoon is in it that opened the same day lastly titanic was re-released in theaters for the 25th anniversary is that what it is 97 is when that came out so yeah so 20 isn't that 26 no well whatever okay uh i feel like every time we mention titanic i have to mention that we did see a screening for the 20th anniversary i believe uh was that in 2019 at the queen mary 2018 we saw it at the queen mary in long beach yeah yeah Uh, like they had a screening set up in front of the the ship and even that wasn't enough to get me interested i just i I I know people love this film what do you think about the titanic the film yeah yeah not the sinking ship (laughs) the the movie it's fine it you know it, it definitely was a juggernaut of a film um i didn't have the reverence for it that most of my peers did when i was 13 uh i like kate winslet i think leonardo dicaprio they're just fine i I like a lot of the supporting cast members kathy bates francis fisher uh vincent garber victor garber sorry uh uh, jeanette goldstein but uh, yeah i don't know it's i would be more interested in watching a documentary on the making of that film than i am the actual film because technically it's a feat but yeah, the basic story. On Glorious uh, Stewart. And I, and like watching it, I always think about all those people who died, who had to work on the ship, who mm-hmm. were probably really poorly treated. Mm-hmm. And then you know how I feel about films during that era. It's like, and then whatever black people were allowed on the boat were probably mistreated. So I'm like, oh, y'all deserve to sink on this boat. But whatever. <laughs> Moving on to projects of interest, something called Super Toys. Oh, yes. Let me get my list. Uh, David O. Russell, who, I mean, I didn't love Amsterdam, but again, it's not the worst thing I've seen uh, this past year. He's already got a new film lined up, but it's going to start Kiki Palmer and Sasha Baron Cohen as, I believe, toy developers. Oh, Daniela Forever. Nacho Vigalando, who you've seen his film Time Crimes, is working on a new project with Henry Golding. I recall liking Time Crimes. I do, too. He's done a couple things since then. I think a movie, I'm forgetting the Elijah Wood movie he did about, was it about the piano player? Um, 
And then he did a film called Extraterrestrial that I thought was kind of so-so. Sontag? Kristen Stewart is going to play uh, culture critic, essayist, filmmaker, writer, uh, multi, the multifaceted Susan Sontag, uh, which is kind of exciting. And You know, the only reason I know who that is is because every, uh, well, like whenever I listen to like queer intellectuals, like they just love to bring up Susan Sontag. Well, she said, you know, she's fascinating. But she's one of those references I feel like people have to throw out there. Like, sure. I have had a copy of, is it Notes on Film Forever that I haven't read yet, but will. And uh, well, wasn't she married to Annie Leibovitz? Oh, I don't I, that's, know. So for some reason, that's in my head. She wrote a film called In America that I also have owned forever and haven't read that Yerzy Skolomowski was going to make in the early 2000s with Isabelle Huppert into a film version. It's so sad that didn't get made. Mm. Uh, and, I, you know, when I read is Vamps and Tramps by Camille Paglia uh, sometime in the past year, <laughs> Susan Sontag went from being her idol to her arch nemesis uh, in the in the world of academe. Anyhow, Kristen Stewart, who's about to be the berlin jury president and apparently they're using footage from her as the president as part of this film project oh. um, is it the film the project's being directed by kirsten johnston who uh, i'm familiar with her documentaries like camera person and oh not the lady from third rock from the no, sun that's kristen johnson oh this is kirsten johnson <laughs> i don't know and, or john is it johnson or johnston i don't know now, uh now i feel messed up but she directed i think it's johnson because the film dick johnson is dead is about her dad oh but yeah. Now uh, Susan Sontag also had that great quote about how white people are cancer. Oh, well, Switzerland. Speaking of Switzerland. <sighs> um, another famous person, Helen Mirren is going to play Patricia Highsmith, the uh, lesbian writer of uh, things like all of the talented Mr. Ripley novels, which I was obsessed with as a teenager. Anton Corbin, uh, who uh, previous, he's probably still best known besides being a photographer is for uh, his film control uh, about joy division and the American with George Clooney. And he also did that movie where Dane DeHaan played uh, Jimmy Dean uh, opposite Robert Pattinson's journalist in the movie life, which I think should have been a lot better. Anyway, Helen Mirren is going to play Patricia Highsmith, which is interesting. And it reminds me that I need to see that documentary that was recently made about Patricia. Kay Scarpetta. Uh, you probably, I, my mom used to read Patricia Cornwall's novels, but she had this series of books featuring a detective, I believe. I didn't read any of these, but I know of Kay Scarpetta. Uh, back around the time of Tomb Raider, I think they were trying to develop this into a film project with Angelina Jolie that never happened. Well, now it's going to be a series uh, from showrunner Lisa Sarnoff of Barry uh, with uh, Bill Hader. And Jamie Lee Curtis has been attached for years, who will be playing Nicole Kidman's sister as the legendary Case Carpetta. Uh, I'm interested in this. Frankenstein? El Toro uh, apparently is going to move forward with a Frankenstein project with Andrew Garfield as the monster and Oscar Isaac as uh, Dr. Frankenstein. Mm. Prince Andrew, another monster. Another monster. Uh, well, you know, when we watched that interview from 2019 oh, on the bbc mm -hmm. yeah which is so painful uh what a creep anyway uh I, I think they had been bandying about names of who because there were immediately were plans to make this into a movie and i think it was a hugh grant they wanted to play prince andrew but it's going to be rufus sewell and jillian anderson will be playing the journalist 
Lastly, I know what you did last summer. Guess what? More reboots. Here we go. Another not very good film that's going to be trotted out, even though there was a recent TV series that nobody watched or seemed to like that did watch it. Uh, but anyway, Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr. and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt apparently coming back for uh, some kind of reboot. One of those pass the torch kinds of bullshit things that does anybody really care about? But here we I are. I think so, because people like Scream. Do they? I think people do. There are YouTube channels devoted to, uh, I don't know, I didn't watch it. but Not for me. Although we are watching the, the next one soon. Scream 6. I mean, well, because yeah, I see everything, but the last one was no good. I have zero interest in watching it, but I will. And then it's like, you can't pay Nev Campbell, you can't pay Nev Campbell money. You can't pay Nev Campbell the money she's asking for. The, even though these dumb things make all this fucking money, you can't pay. Listen, Nev Campbell it could money. be Campbell soup in that movie, and I still wouldn't like. It wouldn't I, make a I difference. I don't even have that, but I, it's just the it's just just the thought of it. I mean, sure, sure, whatever. Um, but anyway, Jennifer Caton Robinson will be heading up the uh, reboot of I Know What You Did Last Summer, which of course is based on the original Lois Duncan. Uh, is that her name? Yeah, the YA novel. Sure. Yeah. Moving on to movies we watched for fun, something called a bad timing. Uh, this uh, I have an article dropping next week. It's spin of uh, twenty. No big deal. Anti love films just in time for Valentine's Day, and I wanted to catch up. I, I haven't seen this in twenty years, but Nicholas Rogue's Bad Timing, a sensual obsession, which is where he met his wife of several many years. Uh, Teresa Russell, who I usually don't care for, but I quite liked in this uh, as, as the object of Art Garfunkel's affection who wants to possess her. Uh, she has, in the beginning of the film, is being rushed to the hospital from an overdose in Vienna, Austria, and then it's told in flashback. Uh, I think Harvey Keitel plays a very sensual and appealing investigator that is trying to figure out just how Art Garfunkel was responsible for this uh, suicide attempt mm, something called double suicide again in reference to the same article uh, isn't that a great title uh, masahiro shinoda who i think he's probably best known in the, the states for this film and pale flower which i own but have yet to watch uh, well you're like a pale flower well you're not really pale but i was waiting for that okay <sighs> used to call me moon demon from that that movie with amy smart that we saw at the minneapolis st paul film festival in 2009 somewhere around there no we rented that movie moon demon you're, you're thinking right i'm thinking of the demon low low l-o yes yeah. mm -hmm. we saw that with it is a double feature with the zombies of mass destruction i don't recall that movie but i remember low <laughs> don't you remember kuwait a minute kuwait a minute <laughs> anyway uh that movie those are both very ragtag films kuwait but a minute. don't you remember them like talking in code with the countries there's no, the couple arguing funny. each other norway <laughs> Um, anyway, Double Suicide, I, again, a very familiar plot about uh, this uh, man that falls in love with a courtesan, a prostitute, who is, of course, in debt to her owners, and he can't afford to pay her off. And the danger is somebody else will come along and pay her debt and buy her, so they want to make a pact and kill each other so they can be together forever. The Chambermaid. Uh, Lila Aviles. Uh, has a film I'm about to see in Berlin. Uh, so this was her debut from 2018, which I remember being highly touted. And it is a very good, albeit subtle film about a chambermaid in Mexico. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it's just depressing. But uh, yeah, and that was worth a watch it's on Amazon Prime. 
Nanette. Uh, another a documentarian I'm not familiar with, even though he's quite prolific. Nicholas Philib- Philibert, uh, French. He has a film and uh, competition coming up in Berlin, and he has a, you know a wide array of films. A lot of them are hard to get a hold of, but I remember when Nanette came out in 2010. It's it, at the time it's about this the world's oldest orangutan, orangutan, in, orangutan in captivity uh, named Nanette in this notable French zoo and the cameras just observing her who's basically in a prison. Uh, this morning when you came downstairs and I was laughing really hard, uh, part of that was I saw a, a picture of a, a monkey with a wig on and I almost posted it, but then I thought people were going to be mad because it, were, it looked like some people. So. Well, I mean, they are re- we are related to primates. So. But I'm sorry, continue with Nanette. Uh, Nanette, but so basically just watching this old ass uh, orangutan you know just really be look quite bored because uh, in cap in the wild they only live to 30 to 35 so she just i feel like she's being kept against her will i was curious enough to look up if nanette's still alive and i did see that she celebrated a 50th birthday in 2019 go on, girl, go on. okay but the way they talk about her like one of these zookeepers like she's she's outlived three mates uh, she exhausted them oh <laughs> that'd be me if you put me in a zoo Yep, you're about to kill me. Oh, Moving boy. on, we watched uh, Out of Time. We we can save this conversation for today's secret film if you want. Oh, sure. Um, yes, that's a good idea. So uh, I watched Open Water 3. You know, I love shark movies, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed Open Water, and I really enjoyed Open Water 2. Mm-hmm. Open Water 3, you know, it has, it's not related to anything except that people get stranded out in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. But... If it were me listening to this, I'd want to know how they get stranded. So how they get stranded is this group of people are on this yacht and a huge wave knocks the yacht, like capsizes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought it was decent. It wasn't as bad as some of the shit that you find on Tubi, but that's the thing that I watched. The next movie, I think we need to take some time on. So I'm going to take a quick break. Oh, okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, the next movie we watched for fun was something called Mac and Me. Mm-hmm. Why did you want to watch this? I, okay, so I haven't seen this since I was at, because this movie's from 1987, but I haven't seen this since I was probably second or third grade, early 90s. But we recently watched Tammy and the T-Rex with Denise Richards and Paul Walker, and I was looking up that director, Stuart Raffle, and I'm like, oh, he directed. So it's been in the back of my mind that I wanted to rewatch it. So I randomly put it on late last night. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed Tammy and the T-Rex. I, I highly see. recommend people watch it with friends and alcohol if you drink. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed Mac and Me. It's terrible, but we were howling <laughs> the entire time. We You did start it last night, and I had to go to bed, but so we finished it this morning. It's an E.T. ripoff, basically. Oh, Spielberg. I mean, had this not flopped hard, I feel like Spielberg wouldn't could have sued and won. Uh, a lawsuit for <laughs> copyright infringement. Basically, this little, the, the, well, so how they differentiate it 
from ET is that because I was we read something or I don't know, though, or you read something yeah. to me that it was differentiated from ET in that it's not just one alien. It's like a family of aliens. And he get the baby gets separated from the parents and the aliens have powers and they're like a little more capable than ET. Sure. So that's how they sort of differentiate it. But basically this alien comes down to earth and finds its way to this uh, boy in a wheelchair whose family has just moved to a new area and this boy is like befriending him and trying to figure out what to do with him. Ultimately, the alien is reunited with his family who's also somewhere on earth in the desert. And so they get there. And then um, the group of aliens are naturalized as US citizens and they drive off in a car to start their new lives as um, Americans, I guess. Non-English speaking Americans. Yeah. There is so much about this movie that is wrong. <laughs> where to begin the cost of the the effects of the aliens perhaps i mean they it's impressive but they are ugly they are so ugly they're so ugly and the way they walk and the facial expressions it it's they're so unappealing that it's hard to watch the movie right <laughs> it, although it, it's upsetting <laughs> what's apparently supposedly the patriarch of the unit looks kind of like john lithgow no i was gonna say an old <laughs> scandinavian man uh that's not john lithgow well, I don't know how Scandinavian he is, but I, I was thinking John Lithgow, Stellan Skarsgård, like Steve Buscemi, and um, oh, like beef jerky. That's know, what these creatures look like. Steve was super cute when he was. <laughs> he was cute in the eighties. Yeah, still is. Um, okay, so there's that. Then there's a scene that I guess is well known of the boy in the wheelchair like falling off a cliff. That shit is funny. <laughs> Apparently Paul Rudd would go on Conan O'Brien and show clips of that saying it's his next movie. There's a chase scene where the boy is in his wheelchair running from the police with the alien on his lap. That shit is crazy. Technically he's running from NASA. Oh, sure. <laughs> Probably the craziest scene in this movie and why I would recommend watching it is so this film was partially funded by uh, McDonald's well, the the food supply, the meat supplier, I believe, of for McDonald's. So there's heavy, heavy product placement of not only McDonald's but Coca Cola, and, and we need and we need to talk about Coca Cola and Skittles and Sears. <laughs> but there is a scene where the little boy, the boy in the wheelchair, and this alien end up at a McDonald's, and there is a full on dance break commercial mm -hmm. that is not unlike the end of that new matilda movie mm -hmm. that makes no sense it's so batshit crazy every and you said something really funny you're like just look at any just focus your attention on any person on the screen and they're crazy <laughs> and it looks and you're like oh, oh i'm uncomfortable they're i'm immediately like, uncomfortable there are like men my age wearing football outfits clearly gay dancing their asses off there are old ballerinas in there people just doing things that don't make sense they have like they have great choreo and then like these children that clearly don't know the dance moves that look like they're about to get hit. <laughs> they're, they're professional dancers with kids. NASA <laughs> shows up to the birthday party in the car, but there's literal dancing in the street around the car. Oh, it's so good. And then when the, then there's a chase scene after that, that's funny. Okay. Then Coca-Cola. And, and Mac, meanwhile, in the McDonald's scene is dressed up in a teddy, teddy bear. bear. And also participates, all of the McDonald's employees who look like children participate in the dancing. Uh, and one of them, this young brunette, absconds with them in the chase. Okay, Coca-Cola. All these kids drink is Coca-Cola. 
There's, there is always an open can of Coke with a straw in it. With a plastic straw. It It's obscene, like the product place. It makes <laughs> no sense. It makes no sense. All they do is drink Coca-Cola. Then the one girl in the movie, she works at McDonald's. And every scene we see her in, she's wearing a McDonald's like uniform shirt. Yeah. Perfectly pressed and tucked into her pants. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous, but I highly, highly and, uh, recommend on it. On this uh, trip where they run away after McDonald's in a van with Mac, which stands for uh, Mysterious Alien Creature, I believe, they have a cooler full of Coke and only Coke. And then they find his family in this mine shaft in the desert. Who, Dehydrated. They are revived. Clinging onto their lives. They are revived with Coke. With Coca-Cola drank from straws because they're little mouth holes which are disturbing they're they're upsetting yeah (laughs) all right moving on so you posted a review on our website Mm fishjellyfilmreviews.com and i'm sorry our website is called fishjellyfilms.com uh yeah (laughs) but you posted a written review for irreversible the straight cut i did so people want to read about that they can go there Unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Someone named Hugh Hudson died. Yes, he's probably best known for directing the 1981 Best Picture winner Chariots of Fire, which I've still never seen. Uh, But I'm very familiar with the theme song. And I know Ian Holm is in it. Uh, He's also, after that, he got to direct Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, which I believe starred um, Christopher Lambert and Ralph Richardson, I remember. And he also did, I remember after Kim Basinger won her Oscar, she did that I Dreamed of Africa movie, which I thought took years. He did that in 2000 because she moved to Africa with, I believe, her kid and Alec at the time. I, oh. I remember the tabloids. And then his last film was Finding Altamira with Antonio Banderas in 2016, which I never saw. And Burt Bacharach died. Oh, I didn't even see that. So okay. He's a prolific songwriter. I know who he is because he wrote songs for Dionne Warwick. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for some reason, growing up, that was in my head. But he's written a lot of really great songs that I pulled up here so I could remind myself. Um, That's What Friends Are For, mm-hmm. Do You Know the Way to San Jose, both by Dionne Warwick and company. He wrote On My Own with Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald. He wrote, um, I mean, A House Is Not a Home for Luther Vandross. Lots of songs. Um, yeah. He was in his 90s, I believe. Lots of, so many film scores uh, yeah. you know, featured Burt Backrack. Isn't isn't he in Austin Powers? Is he? Um, because of, you know, I've never seen In Like Flint. Oh, he wrote Walk On By. I like that song too. Okay. Today's secret film was my choice. And I wanted to choose a film from a black director. And you had a stack of criterions you hadn't uh, opened yet. Mm-hmm. And several of them uh, were films from black directors. So I whittled it down to two selections, mm-hmm. Cooley High or Devil in a Blue Dress. Mm-hmm. And then during our live review for the movie Eve's Bayou, I asked people in the chat to choose between the two 
And overwhelmingly, people chose Devil in a Blue Dress, the 1995 American neo-noir mystery thriller film written and directed by Carl Franklin, which is based on Walter Mosley's uh, novel of the same name. Mm -hmm. I did not care for this movie. Oh, that's that's (laughs) that's sad to me because I do like this film and I like Walter Mosley. So you explained to me that Walter Mosley wrote a series of books featuring the character uh, the 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 main character played by Denzel Washington, Ezekiel Easy Rollins. Correct. You read those books. I I've only I have several. I've only read Black Betty. So I can I don't even know where to begin. I think the movie's well made and the acting's fine, so I wouldn't give it a shitty score. I just thought that for a movie based on a series of books about a central character, this film makes the mistake of not making that character very interesting so once we were done with the film i had zero interest in exploring any other films with this character so i have ideas on what i think would have made more sense but the basic story is denzel plays uh ezekiel easy rollins he's just a regular schmegular guy living in la in the 1940s he owns a home Mm -hmm. which is uh, not common for a black man during that time And we see that he has recently lost his job. So he is, of course, stressed about how he will pay his bills and his mortgage. So he's sitting at a bar he frequents when Tom Sizemore walks in and starts whispering to the bartender. And the bartender's like, yeah, you can go talk to him. And then he says, hey, Ezekiel, come here. This guy wants to talk to you about a job. Tom Sizemore says, all right, meet me at this place at this time and I'll tell you about it. So Denzel goes down there and Tom Sizemore is basically like, yeah, I need to find this lady, this white lady. And I need you to do it. Well, why do you need me to do it? Daphne Monet. Well, because she likes to frequent. uh, Well, he says she likes jazz and dark meat, you Mm -hmm. know, basically like she likes to be around black people. So I can't go look for her. I'll pay you a thousand dollars. So Denzel says, fine. He goes searching for her and things get messy really quickly. Tom Sizemore turns out to be a huge asshole. Daphne, he does locate her. Daphne is played by Jennifer Beals. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is happening is that Jennifer Beals has gone into hiding. She's being blackmailed by someone who she is also blackmailing. So what's up with this blackmailing? So Jennifer Beals is half black, we're told. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's dating the super rich guy who's running for mayor. Terry Kinney. But she passed, notably, she passes for white in this period. Sure. So the other person running for mayor, this guy named Frank, Mm -hmm. he is the one who's blackmailing Jennifer Beals, saying, like, I'm going to tell everyone you're half black, which is going to ruin your boyfriend's campaign. But she has information on him. Oh, his name's Matthew. Maury Shaken, who plays the... uh, The other guy. The incumbent mayor, I believe, yeah. The other guy is a pedophile. Mm -hmm. And she has evidence because she has pictures he's taken, like child pornography. Mm -hmm. So she's blackmailing him saying, like, you're not going to say shit about me because I'm going to let everyone know you're a pedophile. So Tom Sizemore works for the pedophile. And he's trying to find Daphne so he can get these the evidence and destroy it. So everything culminates with Tom Sizemore being killed, Jennifer Beals getting a hold of the child pornography. So now she's safe because she has this blackmail. And she tries to go back to her ex, the one running for mayor, but then he doesn't want to be with her because 
she's half black and well he won't marry her or he won't you like like he, he wants to be he with won't her. make an honest woman of her mm -hmm. so she rides off into the sunset with denzel but then we the final scene is we see denzel sort of back at his house talking about maybe he wants to make a business out of being a pi mm -hmm. because he's gotten a lot of money in the because all of these people looking for several Daphne, people several yeah, parties pay him yeah are paying him so he's good to go um I think the problem is this character. I'm not saying Denzel, but this character is so boring. He doesn't have any skills. Like he happens upon Yet. being a PI. Mm -hmm. And so we're just watching. He's not a bumbling idiot. He's just sort of like, like sort of stumbling through things and things are happening to him that I didn't find that interesting until he calls an acquaintance played by Don Cheadle. Mouse. And when yeah. Don Cheadle shows up, yeah. that's when things get live. Because Don Cheadle, Don Cheadle's the kind of uh, character who's like... Um, shoot first, ask questions I'm gonna later. I'm going to shoot first and yeah. ask questions later. So he's very entertaining, which I also thought was a weird choice, like that this supporting character is much more interesting than the main character and also more in line with what I think... And you were referencing people like Humphrey Bogart. And like, I wanted someone who was like... Oh, playing like Philip Marlowe. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. I wanted someone who was a little like rough around the edges, no nonsense. Pretty fast and loose, taking big chances. Exactly. Yeah. The, the the kind of PI who doesn't have any legal jurisdiction over anything, mm -hmm. but they act like they do. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of shit you want, right? But then Denzel's just like kind of just literally just going from place to place like i need help i don't know what's happening but again there carl franklin is trying to make this origin story for him what i think would have made more sense is they should have started the, the first film should have been maybe like i don't know how many books there are but maybe like the third book so we see this person in the swing of things sure. and then we learn how they started because watching you know, some origin stories are interesting, but usually that shit is pretty dry. I don't and... know. There's a lot going on, though, that I really like. Like what? Um, but I think that seems tame by today's standards because of the progression we have made. But I think, you know, devil in a blue dress, Jennifer Beals is this devil. She's this white devil. And she, again, I think the cost, there's some problems with the wardrobe and that she's not dressed in the most stunning way you could would want her to be but this notion you know interracial marriage was illegal so this this would have been a major scandal that would ruin someone's political career and and, and all the danger going on behind the scenes and we don't see a lot of white people but when we do it's very it's violent it's aggressive um at one point ezekiel gets uh, called out to Malibu because Tom Sizemore wants to meet him in person. And this white girl tries to talk to him. And that ends up in uh, a very uh, violent uh, cascade of things happening. So I, I think that I really like, I really appreciate this tried and true, these tried and true tropes uh, of a specific genre of film, i.e. film noir. What what was it like for other people in them in that sure. period, even and uh, in, in navigating this world? Because th there is something to be said, although these white people didn't like these black people, they still wanted things from this community and they had to have somebody that would go in and do that. So what is that? And also, what does that do to somebody that, you know, as these novels continue, has to work with these these shitty white people? <laughs> mm. uh, I'm just going to go through my notes. This movie is really about how hard it is to be a black homeowner. Yeah, <laughs> that's the sense I got from it, which is relevant. Um, okay, you already alluded to this, but 
in a film like this or a story like this where we're like there's this person we're all searching for and this woman who clearly is like has some equity and we would assume is like irresistible and you know and then the fact that the film is called devil in a blue dress i needed this lady to pop off on screen like you know insert Madonna and Dick Tracy, Kim Basinger and L.A. Confidential, uh, Anna, uh, Ava Gardner and the Killers, Glory Graham and the Big Heat. Right. Yeah. Right. All these examples of like when you see them, it's like, OK, I can see why people are getting themselves in trouble over her. But then we meet Jennifer Beals, who was also a stunning woman, and they have her styled. And then when we see the blue dress. She looks like yeah, I agree that so regular, schmegular, and then the blue is like baby blue, and she's fully covered, and, and her hair is that very generic. Like if you told me, oh, style this woman's hair like 1940s, I would have done it just like that. Which is like a, she looks like um like a regular lady. I needed her to be in something that was like, you know, I don't think you've seen this, but I wanted maybe like Robin Givens in um, A Rage in Harlem. Sure, yes, that or yeah, I mean. There, I can think of so many examples, uh, or Veronica Lake type, you know, yeah, yeah, something, that's... something that's just like, whoa. And when we see her, and then the problem is, there's a character named Coretta, played by Lisa Nicole Carson, who you just saw in Eve's Bayou. Who we just saw in Eve's Bayou. And I thought that, you know, she's like the devil in the red dress because mm-hmm. her character seduces Denzel. In one of the best scenes of the film, really. Which I think is probably the best scene. And because she's friends with Daphne and Denzel's asking around for Daphne. So Coretta's trying to throw him off. And he's calling her Dahlia, which, of course, is a reference to the Black Dahlia. Right. Yeah. And I thought that scene where she seduces him and clearly she's playing games with him. It's like, this is the energy I needed mm-hmm. from, I guess you'd say, the titular character. Mm-hmm. And so why am I getting it from the supporting character who gets killed right away? I So I don't some very interesting choices that left me kind of bored. Sure. And then, you know, Jennifer Beals, who I do really like, uh, is along the lines of like a Kamala Harris. In this. Right. Well, I was gonna, actually going to say, she looks like just a professional lady, mm-hmm. which again, a beautiful woman, very well put together. But again, the rigidity of that is because she's trying so hard to pass as white. Sure. But she just, I, I don't know. She needed to present in a way that's like, oh yeah, I can see why people would write bad checks over her or something. But I just didn't get that vibe. Okay, the other thing that I think this film could have done to make Ezekiel's character more, like, I'd be more invested in him, is his motivation for why he's doing something that anyone could see is probably going to get him into trouble is because of his finances. So I feel like the film should have spent more time explaining his finances, like... Was the thousand dollars that I mean, I know it's 1948, so a thousand dollars equals, you know, probably ten thousand dollars, but I wish they would have explained his finances more. Like, how much is his mortgage? Is he behind? Mm-hmm. How much was he making? Like, was a thousand dollars like two months' pay or three months' pay? The film doesn't really make it clear, like, how badly he needs money and what this amount would do for him. And I think that's something that it could have easily done to make me think, okay, this fool, he can pay his mortgage for three months or he can get from having his home foreclosed. But the way it is, the the, the way the film shot is like, he just lost his job and then immediately he takes this gig 
Like, did you even try to find something? He's looking in the newspaper, but we don't know for how long. But that's, but I think that's why we get the scene. He's led into trusting that it's going to be okay because Jupy, the bartender, introduces him to Tom Sizemore. Yeah, but he knew when he, but he knew when he went to Tom Sizemore's place that this was some bullshit because he even says, "I don't want to be part of any bullshit." Basically, but he he does. But in the there's a good line like, as soon as you walk out of the house, you're mixed in. You're mixed in with some bullshit. it, it, he doesn't know how deep it is because and, Tom, because Denzel asked Tom Sizemore, what kind of work do you do? And then he goes, I do favors for friends. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, a businessman. I, my next note is that, um, in the photograph in the newspaper of Jennifer Beals with her like boyfriend, she does look like Kamala Harris. Yeah. Um, there is, you already alluded to the scene or you mentioned the scene where Denzel's character goes to the pier in Malibu and there's that sort of racist incident. And then Tom Sizemore's character is, has like a gun to the head of the white guy telling him that he needs to perform oral sex on Denzel. Mm-hmm. That seemed like a lot. Yeah. Um, but also I, I bet that that kid would never do something so racist. Well, he, <laughs> so won't, have, he won't have the opportunity now. Um, then when they, when, when they find the white guy dead who has the child pornography mm-hmm. um jennifer and denzel the way jennifer just leaves she yeah, takes she just off. takes off she leaves denzel that <laughs> and leaves him in laurel canyon she which does. they've already he's already alluded there's already some narration talking about being uh in this car with this woman in a white neighborhood so then a point at a point during the film i got so upset like why doesn't denzel go back to this bartender and be like why the hell Mm -hmm. did you set me up with this man and then immediately that's the next scene where denzel shows up and the bartender he uh he owns the bar and he's very uh concerned about the bar counter like like the bar has like a marble countertop Mm -hmm. that he inherited from his dad and so denzel is in there trying to get answers like why did you do this to me and the bartender is being kind of flippant about it and denzel pulls out what i at first i'm like he's gonna get a gun no denzel had a hammer mm-hmm. and he messes up that man's marble countertop oh he gets answers real quick too i but, thought that was but really at first good. the guy's like you come up here he says something like trying to make it trying to act like you're gonna do something <laughs> i know you don't agree but i didn't think jennifer i'm sure people won't agree with me either but i don't think jennifer beals passes his wife people see what they want to believe it's just like when i listened to share as an eighth grader and everybody wanted to think i was straight people she presented she told people she was white they wanted to see white i i i would agree with what you're saying yeah but for me it was like that lady if if i saw her i wouldn't think she's white like like i would definitely think she's not white but the, the casting is fine. And I, and I think what you said is what makes sense. But, you know, it, it's that thing. And Hollywood, I to me, that I think the casting is fine. Because, you know, if you think about Natalie Wood, who played uh, every type of race, of course, because we didn't want to hire. And uh, Audrey Hepburn, too. They did that a lot, playing uh, indigenous peoples and Puerto Ricans and uh, anything but hire the actual people that are that ethnicity. But if you do decide to watch this film, a fun game you could play is to count how many times someone lights a cigarette. There is a lot of smoking <laughs> in the film. The, I, to me, that tracks, though. It does for the time period. We're going to take a break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Um, what would you give Devil in a Blue Dress? Three and a half. I think it looks great. I think I, I wanted to talk about Carl Franklin, and maybe that could be the segue to the other thing you want to say. But Well, yeah, I would give uh, Devil in a Blue Dress three out of five. I think it's very well made. It looks great, and the performances are fine. Um, so there's that don Cheadle is the selling point don Cheadle to me is the best part of the film and i think the character of coretta um we we could have used more of her sure so you wanted to talk about the writer uh carl franklin well walter mosley of course i mean i'm sorry the director uh yes who you know started as an actor and uh had directed several features mostly uh, predominantly featuring white people And, and one in particular that i've never seen that i've always wanted to but haven't made a point to starring bill paxton called one false move um but prior to this i'd only seen his follow-up i've seen devil in a blue dress i had to watch that for a film class uh as an undergrad but uh his film right after that three years later was that white oscar Beatty meryl streep dying of cancer film one true thing (laughs) with william hurt and renee zellweger which i haven't seen since 1998 and i have no uh plans to revisit it but after we first moved to la i covered i reviewed his film bless me ultima uh which i based on ultima no, no. <laughs> uh, it's, it's based on a very notable book by rudolfo anaya and uh like period piece set in new mexico during world war ii i haven't seen it since then and i i didn't really like it uh, however uh he directed Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd in High Crimes, which is kind of their Kiss the Girls reunion uh, in 2002, which I remember driving to Virginia, Minnesota to see that in a theater. And my my stupid late friends didn't get there in time. So instead, we had to see Changing Lanes with Ben Affleck, uh, which, as I've grown older, have come to appreciate Roger Michelle, even his Hollywood stuff. Anyway, uh, I put on last night because I thought it would be funny to watch a Denzel Carl Franklin double feature because uh, he reunited it with him in 2003 for Out of Time, which I'd never seen. I had never seen Out of Time, and I did think this film was fun. It is fun. To me, it has stupid moments that Devil in a Blue Dress does not have. For sure. But uh, it, it it's very uh, pulpy and entertaining. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, should we say the basic story? You can, sure. Denzel is a police chief in some area. Florida. And he's dating. He's he's in a he is married, but divorcing Ava Mendez, who also works for law enforcement in the same department. Right. He's just the sheriff. She's a detective. Right. And then, but and he's having, I guess you'd say, an affair, kind of. But he's he's not with Ava Mendez anymore. But he's having an affair with Sanaa Lathan, mm-hmm. and basically, she Sanaa needs money. She's like, I'm tired of being poor. I need money. So she orchestrates this elaborate con where she convinces Denzel that she's dying of like lung cancer or something Mm -hmm. and that she needs money to get some experimental treatment in like Switzerland or something. Mm -hmm. And he has the bright idea that because at first she's like, I'm going to run this like life insurance scam or something. No, it's not a scam. She's going to like sell her life insurance policy to some company. Mm -hmm. But then they tell her no. But that's all a scam to convince him that she's desperate. And he's like, well, we recovered some money from like some drug bust or something. I can give you that money. No because it, it'll be years before it'll be years before we have to looked. present it. Right. So he gives her the money and then she run, and then she there's like a house fire and she sets it up so that 
Denzel believes that she was murdered. You forgot him. to mention that she's married to Dean Kane, who is such a snack in this. He is very handsome. Okay. But then we find out that she set all this up. And now the DEA wants that money that Denzel thought they wouldn't need for years. They want it like in 20 minutes. Yeah. And so out of time is really, it has a couple meanings because at first you think, oh, out of time because Sanaa Lathan, she's told she only has a few months to live. Mm -hmm. But it's also out of time because once the DEA shows up and they want this money, it's curtains for Denzel. Mm -hmm. So he's ripping and running, trying to evade because also Ava Mendez kind of thinks that something's not right. Because there's a homicide now. So because they're investigating this homicide plus this money and everything. I think the pacing of this movie is so great. I mean, it's all very like uh, manipulative, but mm -hmm. it works. I, I was very engaged. And then because of the title of the film, it just felt very appropriate that because mm -hmm. there are, I, I can think of at least four scenes where it was just so stressful because <laughs> Denzel's trying, there's a scene where he's trying to like Photoshop some like cell phone records or yeah. something that is just so good um but ultimately Denz and then denzel has a friend on the police force with him who's helping him that well, i thought he's was the medical really examiner oh that white guy's the medical examiner. yeah john billingsley yeah he's denzel's friend and he helps him which i thought was really sweet mm -hmm. but in the end denzel catches up to sanaa because he finds out that she's not um well we don't really know that she wasn't in on it Dean Kane has her locked up in some house and she looks crazy, but she we looked, don't. Oh no, we do know that she really. She, she did. She tried to hem him up. Because, she did try to hem Denzel up. Um, so no. So, so we do know, but she's going to kill him when she calls and she's like, I'm so sorry. I lied to you so much. She, yeah, no kidding, bitch. <laughs> and she looks so wet. Oh, in that she thing. looks so. Yeah. But she, the, the final scene is she's going to kill Denzel and she says, I'm sorry. God help me. God help me. I'm sorry I have to do this. And then that's when Ava Mendez shows up and kills Sanaa. Mm -hmm. And then Ava, you know, it's all very convenient. Yeah. But Ava then sort of sets it up like, oh, he was here catching the person. And oh, and miraculously, the medical examiner's here with the money because mm -hmm. Denzel did recover it. And so all's well that ends well. And then we fast forward a little bit and the three of them, Denzel, Ava, and his medical examiner friend are sitting on the beach somewhere luxuriating when Denzel gets a letter from like um, the insurance the insurance company. company saying that he's getting a million Sanaa's, Sanaa's life insurance policy, which is a million dollars. So he he won in the end, which is interesting because he did something very illegal. Well, Ava Mendez is there to say that he can't possibly take that money, but but of course you know. he is, but um. Yeah, I this was a fun ride because mm -hmm. I it was late and I was tired and mm -hmm. I watched all of it and and yeah, who who directed it again? Carl Franklin. Yeah, he did a very good job of the pacing. Um, and but since 2012, he's worked exclusively in television, but has worked in a lot of series that you are a fan of, uh, including House of Cards, and he directed. Oh, one, I do like House of Cards. One episode of Dahmer. Oh, I um, do. I did like Dahmer. So I, I, you know, I think this is somebody that's deserving uh, of directing film again, but you know all right well that's all i have what's going on this week so tomorrow we're seeing ant-man oh god I, when i tell y'all for the second time i have zero interest in watching this movie Mich and i didn't watch the other ones michelle pfeiffer i do love you but I, I i do like michelle pfeiffer i don't care one iota where is the movie. screening i don't remember oh i, I think burbank 
It's in Burbank. Burbank. Ugh. At what time? I don't know. Six, seven, somewhere in there. I'll let Ugh. you know. I'll, we confirm. Um, but yeah, that's tomorrow. And then Tuesday, I get on a plane. I mean, I shouldn't say that because actually, uh, we can get to Burbank faster than we can Century City. So okay, I mean, Burbank's fine. Yeah, I don't matter. really like that theater. Sure. There is a Chipotle, and a Cold Stone, and a Yard House. Yeah, Yard House happy hour for people who don't know is quite nice. Yeah, we uh, we experienced that after getting stuck in the rain after watching House Party. Oh my god! After we watched the the, the new House Party, it was like it, it was that like two three week period where it was raining really bad in L.A. Mm-hmm. and so we like ran into Yard House. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yes, and then I get on a plane for Berlin. I have several many screeners to still get through today, uh, which somehow I will. Uh, we have a we have to record a review on Marlowe because I just finished the book that's based on last night. I also finished the Henry James novella, The Beast in the Jungle, because there's a film version of that directed by Patrick Chiha uh, that I have to watch today. Since Nick will be leaving me home alone and won't be cooking me food, if anyone wants to Venmo me money oh, so I can order DoorDash. Joseph's the... mother also lives in the vicinity and often calls uh, requesting him to come pick up food that she randomly makes for him. That is enough for an army. Uh, usually, My mom does cook for like several many people. Yeah. And it's like just me. <laughs> and then. Uh, well, I'll for sure have her make me up uh, um, a meal or two. Uh-huh. But of course, um, I would also uh, order DoorDash. Um, or Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. I know I shouldn't be doing that, actually. Scratch that. I will call the restaurants directly and order from them. From Black-owned businesses. Uh, and and I will uh, promise to order from Black-owned businesses. <laughs> no more Cheesecake Factory this month. <laughs> For Not- this month. No, I shouldn't say that. Um, so there's that. Is there anything else you want to say? Oh, we had a sorry to this man that I forgot oh, about. Oh, I totally forgot about that. So in the review for... Your place or mine, mm-hmm. the new Reese Witherspoon, Ashton Kutcher. People were making fun of how I say Kutcher. How do you say his name? I thought it was Kutcher. I don't know. Oh, Kutcher? I don't know, actually. Kutcher. <laughs> anyway, in that movie, I had said that the kid the, the, the main kid was Jimmy Kimmel's son, but that's not correct. It's his nephew. It's apparently. his ne- he this person is his nephew. That's nep- still a Nepo, that's still some Nepo bullshit. But yes, good for him for congratulations for being in a movie, kid. But uh, are you done? Sure. Ta-ta.